You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 299. That's right, one more to go, and then we reach episode 300, which I am uh, currently working on. I apologize for the delays, but it just so happens that everything seems to always happen at the same time. Like, I tried to sort of schedule this season out, and what's the expression? The best laid plans of mice and men. The point is, I tried to organize this properly and I failed. And now a whole bunch of episodes that require a lot of work just happen to be falling right next to each other. We've got episode 300 coming up, which requires a lot of work, which means that one's probably going to be two weeks away. Then I have to record another family show because we haven't recorded with the family since like July. And those require a lot of work. Then I have to record for the Christmas show, which requires a lot of work. And they all seem to be falling at the same time. Time. That's always the tricky thing when an anniversary shows up, because I also intended to do a Halloween show as well, and now I'm probably not going to do a Halloween show because I have a feeling episode 300 is just going to fall close to Halloween, and I'm going to be busy working on uh, the rest of them. And to top it all off, I'm sick! That's right! <laughs> Got a sore throat over the weekend, and I guess as I near my 40th birthday and slowly become an old man, now I have like acid reflux. So I needed desperately to sleep to feel better from this sore throat. And I couldn't sleep because when I laid down, I'd have this acid reflux. So I ended up staying up. I was up till fucking six in the morning. I watched <laughs> Die Another Day, <laughs> the James Bond movie. Anyway, look, let's listen to a song, get this show started. Today on the show, I will be chatting with Pilot, okay? And we're going to be doing that later in the program. But first, we have a lot of songs to listen to, and I have some letters to read, so we're going to do that. So let's listen to this cool song from Terra Genesis from the album Aurorium. This is Tales of Desolation.
And that was Tales of Desolation by Terra Genesis from the Aurorium album. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the people who support Beyond Synth at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Awesome people like the kings of the Pattersons. You know, I call them that because they donate a lot of money to the show and they're very special people. People like Chris Dance who is a very special guy. And then there's Mike Shima, who is a very special guy. And then, of course, there is Robert D. Bishop and Mystery Donor. So I got a letter here. It says, Greetings, Mr. Andy Last. Now, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Is this Renan? R-E-N-A-N. From Sao Paulo, Brazil. So, I don't know. Renan? Renan? You can write me back and correct me. Hold on here. PronounceNames.com Renan Renan What the hell? Okay, according to this YouTube video, they don't even say the R. Are they saying Renan 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 There's no way that's how you pronounce your name. This video's fucked. This video's called How to Pronounce Renan And then in brackets, Brazilian Portuguese slash Brazil, PronounceNames.com The end of the video says, Do we have the pronunciation correct? And there's only one comment and the comment is, what the freak is that? Followed by, when I went to USA, they didn't understand my name. It sounds exactly like that. So I started to say my name was Matthew at restaurants to get my order easier. All right, whatever. Uh, and then, and then. All right, anyways. And then. Uh, okay, he says, uh, it's been a while since I wanted to message you, but right now I've just finally taken the time to do it. So here it goes. I just want to say I enjoy Beyond Synth so much. I actually listen to it every single day as I get through my home office work routine, and it most definitely has been brightening my days. By the way, I just want to clarify that I am not any DJP stalker as you suspected when you mentioned my nickname on the show. Oh, that's right. So this guy is DJP Rocks My Heart. That's their Patreon name, so I think I made fun of them saying they were a stalker. You know, to be honest with you, it's because I thought it was somebody else. And so anyway, whatever. I just want to clarify that I'm not any DJP stalker, as you suspected when you mentioned my nickname on the show. I'm just a huge synth fan and DJP fan also. Of course, I'm a huge fan of yours, man. I also like Florence, Mike, and Marco, man. Family shows are just amazing. I listened to the episodes in a backward sequence on Spotify, so it's been funny to see how you got to know the artists along the way. I've just listened to episode 140-something, which has the first computer magic appearance on the show, apparently recorded in some club along with other artists. That episode was simply amazing. What stands out so much to me on that one is how you conduct the whole talk with different people so spontaneously and it doesn't get messy or boring at any point. On the contrary, the whole thing flies by and we don't even notice because it's so good. Hosting seems so natural to you and you're killing it every time. See, this person's great. I'll just... (laughs) You should all write me letters like this. It makes me feel good. I wanted to contribute with a more significant amount, but at my current financial status, it's a little bit difficult. Also provided... A dollar is like five Brazilian reyes. Is that how you say your currency? Five Brazilian reyes? I'm not looking it up. Uh, But as soon as it gets better here, I adjust the contribution because what the show provides me is totally worth it. Anyway, man, keep up the good work because myself and a whole lot of other retro synth pop culture enthusiasts need it. And then he mentions a song recommendation, something called Triple Wormhole from Pink Obsidian. Okay, so I will check that out. It has a great melody, man. It's simple, but the melody is sweet and I know you value a beautiful melody melody man cheers dude from brazil and then 
Hinnan. Hinnan. <laughs> Anyways, listen. Uh, thank you so much for the kind words. Thanks for supporting the show. I'm glad uh, you get something out of it. It makes me happy to make something that other people enjoy. And I hope to do it uh, for a long time. And now, let's listen to another track. I got one here from Procyon B and Atmo Lifter. They're working together here uh, on a cool track, which is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the Kroner Club, we got Emil and Hampus ML and Jose Arbello, the king of hell. Hope you're doing all right, Jose Arbello. Now listen to this. This is Data Flow by Procyon B and Atmo Lifter.
And that was Pro Scion B and Atmo Lifter with the track Data Flow. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Mike Erdahl with the 56.66 and Tim Carlton, the Golden Boner, followed always by Jacob Wick, my semi-sonic friend. Uh, I have some more letters here. This one is from Cargo Cult Luau. Hey, Andy, don't be alarmed. I changed my name on here and some other places. It was Newmark, but now it's Cargo Cult Luau. Just wanted to let you know so you don't think I'm some new strange donator. Also, just to repeat it again, you're doing something really great, and I hope it goes on for a very long time. Well, thank you very much, Numa. I mean, Cargo Cult Luau. That is how you say that, right? L-U-A-U is Luau. I'm not looking it up. Look, I looked up fucking... Then it didn't make any sense to me. But yes, thank you uh, for the kind words, and uh, thank you for clearing that up, because I would have been confused by that, because I always am. I also got a message here from River Avenue, who became a patron, and I mentioned jokingly because he uh, became a patron, I think, on the last day of September, and I said, I wonder if Patreon is going to bill him twice. Well, here's what happened. River Avenue says, yes, I wrote you a letter. Yes, I was charged twice on Patreon in less than a 24-hour period. And yes, my name can be pronounced either River Ave or River Avenue. I think I originally thought it would be River Ave, but after hearing it being spoken out loud by you, I think I now prefer River Avenue. Keep up the great work. Black Velvet sucks, and the 80s produced way more superior music than the 90s. <laughs> I love if you go back and listen to the family show when Mike and I were fighting. I knew people listening to the episode would probably side with me, but it's a little unfair because I didn't argue my point well at all. So it's <laughs> I just knew people would agree because, you know, a lot of people who listen to the show have the same sentiment that, uh, you know, the 80s hits were were better than the 90s hits. And I do have to stress, there is a lot of stuff in the 90s that I love, obviously. It's just more of a question about what was promoted to the top. I would love to have on a music historian or or someone who like worked in the business or whatever to really talk about this because it's not that the 90s was full of bad music. It's just that what was being promoted just seemed not as good. And also, I've said this a million times, but uh, also less variety. I mean, that's just what happens when you have a song that stays at number one for 12 weeks. It just means that you didn't have the opportunity to hear potentially, you know, 10 other hit songs that could have also occupied that time. And I think this is something I bring up in episode 300. I was chatting with Sunglasses Kid. I don't even think I would be happy if a song I liked was number one for 13 weeks. I would feel bad. I thought about that. Like, you know, I love Depeche Mode, right? So if you said, you know, you know, Depeche Mode, Enjoy the Silence was uh, number one for 13 weeks, and I, I worked in an office, I would start to feel guilty even. You know, everyone has to listen to this song, and after, like, you know, it's number one for three or four weeks, it's sort of like, yeah, let's move this thing along now. Like, I almost feel as though you shouldn't be allowed to be a hit song for more than four weeks. Like, you get a trophy... They go, look, you were you were a hit song for four weeks, and we're just going to put another song in this place because that's the longest you can be number one before another song gets to pop up. Because you just make people sick of the song. Anyway, you let me know. Is that a bad idea? Because I think it's a great idea. Anyways, I also think it's a great idea to listen to cool music. So I got one here from Morphoise. 
which is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We got City Hunter, the coolest guy in town with the 42, and Hugh Hefner in the 2666 Club, and of course, Clint Dowling, the king of the $25 Club. That's who he is. So, check this out. This is Morpheus with Strange Nights.
And that was Strange Nights by Morpheus. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, we got a star apart. Alex Seligson, Blake Peterson, Cargo Cult Luau, Eurobeat Intensifies, and Honeybeard. And uh, let's do birthdays. So, Jean-Christophe Leconte, uh, he messaged me late after I had already published the last episode of Beyond Synth saying, hey, my birthday's October 6th, and I'd already done the October 6th birthdays, but you know what? Happy belated birthday, Jean-Christophe. He sent me a letter. I will read it. That's what I will do. He says, hi, Andy. I think I'm a little late to tell you that my birthday is on October the 6th. But listening to this week's episode, it seems to be an apocalyptic day. So it's perhaps better not to wish two October 6th birthdays on the same day. You won't know my age, as I was a young teenager when Yamaha DX72 and Roland D50 since hit the market. Ooh, which, by the way, partially explains why I one day discovered your podcast. I just wanted to say that Beyond Synth makes every Saturday morning sunny, whatever the weather is. Tons of great music and a great, great... Great animator, host, broadcaster. I don't know what the word is, but it's you. Have a good day. Jean-Christophe Leconte, all the way from France. Well, happy belated birthday, buddy. Your age may be a secret, but you're a cool guy in my book because you support Beyond Synth. So happy birthday to you. And on October 16th, a happy birthday to Energon Cubes, who also wrote me a letter. Hey, Andy, I thought I would let you know my birthday for the birthday segment is October 16th. Also, I hope you weren't waiting for it, but I figured it's about time I inform you that I acknowledge the Energon Cube you are holding in some of the episode thumbnails. I think that is really cool. Better late than never, right? Well, thank you, Energon Cubes, for that. I hope you have a lovely birthday on October the 16th. And to be honest with you, I never thought of it as an Energon Cube, but I guess that's exactly what it is. The whole point is, if you actually pay attention to the artwork of the episodes of Beyond Synth, they are slight variations which usually give you a sense of what the music is going to be like in that episode. So if it's like me in front of the blue synthwave sun, that usually means synth pop. If I'm in front of the orange synthwave sun, that means like sort of a more classic synthwave style episode. If I'm in front of the diamonds with the Energon cube, that usually means more like cyberpunk, synthwave, electronic, that kind of stuff. And I guess I never unveiled the other one, did I? That was supposed to be for Halloween, but I'm not going to do a Halloween show. I made another one where I was like, where my eyes were glowing and I was in front of like a hell background because that was going to be for the Dark Synth episodes. But then I've been so busy all year that I, I haven't put out a Dark Synth episode. And of course, when they're all pixelated, it's a chiptune show. But anyways, the point is this. Energon Cubes, happy birthday to you. And thank you so much for supporting the show. And lastly, we have Rachel and Sarah Buchelman on October. October the 18th. Happy birthday to the lovely Buchelman sisters, Rachel and Sarah. Of course, they are twins, so they share the same birthday, which means they are going to share the same birthday announcement. So happy birthday to you two. Let's see what happened on this day, October the 18th. 
Well, in 1967, the first space probe to enter the atmosphere of another planet. The Soviet probe Venera 4 entered Venus's atmosphere and sent back information to Earth for about 90 minutes before it lost contact when Venera 7 landed on Venus. A few years later, it became the first probe to land on another planet. And that was in 1967. In 1867, Alaska becomes a part of the United States. U.S. had purchased the large and sparsely populated territory of Alaska from Russia for 7.2 million. What? They bought Alaska from Russia? Uh, hey, in 1851, Moby Dick is published for the first time. The epic written by American novelist Herman Melville is about a sailor obsessed with tracking down and killing an elusive whale that took his leg in a previous encounter. So, happy birthday, Buchelman sisters. You got the first space probe to enter the atmosphere of another planet. You've got Moby Dick. And, of course, you also share a birthday with Zac Efron and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hey, and the 15th Prime Minister of Canada, Pierre Trudeau, the father of our current one. He's dead, though. So I would say the cooler one is Jean-Claude Van Damme, 1960. All right. Happy birthday, Buchelman sisters. And to all of you, thank you so much for supporting the show. Let's listen to some more music. This is a cool one from Arpitect from the album Rise and Fall. This is Afterlife.
And that was Afterlife from Arpitect. And that was brought to you by my awesome PayPals. These are the people who support Beyond Synth on PayPal. Many different ways to support this show if you want to do that. Like the awesome Upgrade Jimpy, the king of the PayPals. And then there's Ross Bruce who upgraded his support. Which makes him almost a king of the PayPal himself. And Ross Bruce says, updating my donation to match the rate of inflations. Because federal money printer went brrrr. Is that the sound effect of, like, uh, the money counting machines? That's my impression. I love that. In movies, whenever, like, the drug dealers count the money and the... (laughs) Also, instead of writing donation, he wrote D-apostrophe-nation. Am I supposed to read this in an Australian accent? Updating my donation to match the rate of inflations. Ooh, I don't know what that was. (laughs) Not Australian. Money printer. All right, thank you so much. And of course, there's Austin Whetstone, Jimmy Groon, the Rosconian, Digital Dreams, Gustav Velichek, Dan Williams, Fiesel, Fiesel, Bo- Felix, Fiesel, <laughs> Felix Borselman, Russell Nyes, Timothy Warwick, and Jersey, who also sent me a message. Jersey says, Keep the synth on. Well, I will, Jersey. You're damn right I will. And I got a letter here from Chatterack. I gave him a birthday shout-out the other week. He says, thanks for the birthday shout-out, my friend, and for remembering that I like the outdoors. I was out mountain biking when I heard you trying to find literally anything good that has happened on October the 6th, and I couldn't stop laughing. You weren't exaggerating. The only non-violent thing I could find was Michael Jordan's first NBA retirement, which kind of sucked, too. Thanks for always saying, Chatterack. It's like a question. Love the show and Andy's spaceship. And then he sent me a picture of his birthday ride while he was listening. So he took a picture of this lovely scenery because he likes to. He likes the outdoors. Did I see a cactus? To be honest, I forget what the picture looked like. I'm trying to recall it from memory. I think I saw a cactus. So I call you Cactus Chatterack, even if there wasn't a cactus there. Uh, look, let's listen to another song, okay? I got one here from Wind Surfer, W-I-N-D-S-R-F-R, from the album Golden Years. This was a, a nice instrumental track. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. We got Jimmy the Hut, Johnny Five, Kempson, and Ken Giroux. And this is Three. Through the Mist, The New World, by Windsurfer.
And that was Wind Surfer with the track Through the Mist, The New World. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Awesome people like Mr. Magoo Samurai, Neverman, Restless Nights, and Techno Ben. And then, of course, there's Forged and Neon with the 2049. And in the $20 Club, we got Joshua Winter and Chatterack. So, Last night, like I mentioned earlier, I had this fucking horrible acid reflux, which sucks. And if you've ever had it, it just feels like there's just fucking lava in your throat. And I couldn't sleep, and it would happen every time I laid down. And I desperately need sleep. You guys have no idea right now. I am fucking very tired. So I was up, and I said, you know, fuck it, I'll watch a movie. And for some reason, I put on Die Another Day, the James Bond film. Now, this is notoriously, like, seen as a bad James Bond film. This is the last one with Pierce Brosnan, and it's very ridiculous. So this is the idea for the podcast, is to do a show or analysis that plots the point at which bad movies become bad. Look, I love James Bond, so I love all the cheesiness that comes with James Bond. And so there's a lot of things I accept. Like, I accept a bad pun. I accept a awkwardly placed hot lady for no reason just because it's James Bond and there has to be a hot lady there. So when I rewatched it, I was like, you know, this movie's not that bad. But then there's moments. So there's little things here and there. Okay, Halle Berry's performance isn't great, but it's not like movie breaking and I mean in the previous film there was uh, Denise Richards and she was terrible and then there's that moment where the bad guy shoots that giant space laser and James Bond <laughs> escapes in a rocket car and then <laughs> And then hits the edge of like an ice sheet and then flies down with a grappling hook and then takes the thing apart and then uses the cockpit window of the rocket car to become a surfboard. And then he surfs this giant wave and it's it's a terrible idea. It's so over the top and it looks bad like the green screen of it's terrible. And then it's sort of like from that moment on, it's like the movie's just really dumb. Sure, it's super cheesy. Like I'm not going to I wouldn't argue that before that moment, it was like a great James Bond movie. But it was just like, yeah, it was like an over-the-top James Bond movie. It's definitely more science fiction-y than most James Bond movies. So it's interesting to me, that moment. So maybe some of you can write in to me and let me know, like, what's a movie that's considered bad that you like up to a point? So I'll give you another example. Uh, The Phantom Menace. When I go back and watch The Phantom Menace, okay, it's not great, but it's fine up until... Jar Jar shows up. So yes, there's a little hiccup. There's hiccups and weirdness. Like, you know, when those Chinese aliens start talking, it's sort of like, you know, like I remember even at the time, like what, what's up with these guys' voices? And like the, anyway, but it wasn't a deal breaker. It was like, okay, these are weird or whatever. So really the movie is fine. It's not great, but it's fine. And then right at the moment Jar Jar Binks enters the film, it literally goes downhill like on a fucking ramp. Like the second that character is involved, the movie takes a fucking nosedive. So let me know if there are other examples, because I think it would be a fun idea for a podcast or video series or something to sort of examine the movies that everyone considers bad and just go like, because some movies are bad from the start, right? Like you watch like The Room and you know the movie's horrible by the fucking title cards. You know, like, you'll watch a cheap movie where you can tell they did all the titles in literally iMovie Maker or something, and you go, oh, shit, like, you know you're in for a bad film immediately. Some movies take time. 
Some movies maybe just get ruined literally because the ending sucks and it fucking, you know, tarnishes the film that came before it. Anyway, let me know because uh, I think that would be a fun thing. So let's listen to one more song and then we will go chat with Pilot. Uh, so I want to listen to this one from Sin Sonic. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. With the 1986, it's COVID 1986. And of course, a thank you to Ethan for helping me out with the Beyond Synth database. And of course, Christian Quello. A big thank you to you two as well. And then we got the Buchelman Sisters in the 1985 Club. And happy birthday to you, Gene Creamer Private Eye, Mads Baron Christensen, Skywolf Retro Serenade. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyalane. And this is Sin Sonic with glass eyes.
And that was Glass Eyes by Sin Sonic. And that is a cool song. So I'm going to go chat with Pilot now. And I suggest if you're one of those people that likes to, uh, you know, skip the the end credits, I would say stay for the whole thing because there was a, a funny bit of business that I had to edit out of the show that I tacked on to the end. So uh, we had a good laugh. And that's all I have to say about that. So now let's go chat with Pilot. Alright, well I am here right now with Pilot. How's it going, man? Hey, how you doing, buddy? So, are you uh, are you a secret man? Like, you don't say what your real name is? Uh, I used to be, but that's not the case anymore. Um, I do Twitch live streams and stuff. People see my face, they know my real name. So, what, what, what can I call you? Whatever you like. <laughs> I mean, my actual name is Tim, so I just guess you can just call me Tim if you want. Pilot, Mr. Pilot, whatever you fancy. How about... Uh, <laughs> now I'm trying to combine all the things. <laughs> Tim, t- uh, Pyle, t- uh, whatever. I'll figure something out. But anyway, nice to meet you, dude. Yeah, same. So I guess we will we'll dive right into the history of Pilot because you uh, make cool music. It's been pretty cool right from the start. Thank you. Which leads me to believe that you are possibly making music before as something else. Mm-hmm. Is that true? That is true. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is true. Um, I used to release music as part of a duo called Televisor and we wrote a lot of new disco kind of stuff and I did that for probably I want to say like four or five years yeah I got the itch for more kind of synth wavy type stuff started a side project and and here I am now so is is Televisor still a thing or is that done Televisor is still a thing but I'm not a part of that so I left Televisor in 2017 I think yeah, so it's been about four years. So was it like that it was a duo and now the other guy is just doing it mm-hmm. as a solo thing? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so we used to we used to kind of send projects back and forth and, and work on the music together that way. But when I left, he's he's been writing some stuff on his own. He's been writing some good stuff as well. Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, see, because I never do research, so maybe I would have had some televisor questions for you, but I don't. We're, <laughs> we're only fine. here to talk about Pilot today. That's good. I'm, I'm cool with that. But uh, yeah, I guess I'll check out uh, uh, Televisor as well when we're done talking, because I like... Mm. Uh, disco-y stuff cool yeah <laughs> it is cool <laughs> so then what inspired the whole pilot thing because I, I recall seeing images of you looking like a street hawk mm. with a helmet on and walking around looking like a cool guy i think the fact that i'm not cool at all in real life um i kind of thought well how can i make myself cool i know give myself a motorbike helmet and a moniker yeah and we're all good <laughs> i mean at its essence i was just kind of inspired by this kind of genre that although it wasn't new to many people it was new to me when i was part of televisor highway superstar did a remix of one of our songs um, and i got to know him and i kind of did some more research into the synthwave genre and stuff. Yeah, and I just found it to be really interesting, and I really liked the the kind of style. And um, well, firstly, I think I wanted to let the music speak for itself, and I didn't want people to kind of just be interested in my project because I was Tim from Televisor. Or I kind of wanted to leave myself out of the equation to see if what I was writing was actually any good or not. And that was originally where the like the anonymity came from. Was just the idea that I didn't want me. I didn't want myself to be a distraction behind the music, so that was the idea behind the, the kind of alias and the character, and that was kind of like my musical outlet, you know, just on the side at the time, just to be able to write whatever I felt like writing um, to try this new style out. Right, so then you you uh, 
cut your teeth, as it were, doing the... That is the expression, right? Is cut your teeth, like, where you get your experience? Um, I believe so, yes. I've never used it before. I've just... <laughs> Mate, I think I've heard it once before, so neither, <laughs> we might both be wrong. <laughs> Hold on here. I want to make sure I'm using this expression correctly. <laughs> cut your teeth. Because I don't know what the, uh... Even the origin of that phrase means. Cut your teeth, idiom. To gain experience with something, especially at a young age, when one's teeth would be coming in. Oh. <laughs> I still don't quite... So that's it? It's just because you, you learn it when you're young and also simultaneously it's when your teeth are growing? Like, there's so many other things going on. Uh, it seems oddly specific, really. Hmm. I don't care for this. All right, <laughs> I take it back. I'm not going to use this weird expression. <laughs> so were you doing music stuff before a televisor? Or yeah, was... well, I, I kind of grew up as a live musician, so... Early on, I was playing in bands, playing drums, bass, guitar, vocals, keys, whatever. And then it wasn't until like I went to college to study music that I kind of was introduced to production and kind of fell in love with the idea of being able to be a one-man band instead of being one man in a five-piece band. Right. Just being able to kind of realize my ideas in my head and just put them down without the need for a fancy studio, without the need to pull all my band members into the one room. So I was just producing, really, and trying to get my skills up until Televisor became a thing. Straight out of university, uh, I started releasing music as part of that duo, and then from there, it led on to... Onto pilot, yeah. When you say that you were doing all those sorts of different things as a live musician, like drums and guitar and vocals mm. and things, was that in separate groups? Yeah, so, like, growing up, I was in loads of different bands, like, just with my friends or whatever. We'd get together, we'd just jam. We're talking maybe 15 years ago or something now, but I used to be in, like, a Nirvana <laughs> cover band. Nice. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Nice, okay. I loved Nirvana. I was going to say I fucking loved Nirvana when I was younger. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I was really into the, the grunge and stuff, and... Uh, yeah, I actually was in a church band as well for like eight years and I'd play like twice every Sunday. We'd have multiple band practices and stuff. And I kind of just, I mean, my mum is religious. I'm not really, but I kind of use it as a way to essentially develop my skills um, as a musician. So it was great. Wait, so what, what defines a church band exactly? In what context? Well, like just that you could practice at the church or was it a band be made up of members who went to that church it was a band that played live in the church twice a week sunday morning and sunday evening oh i see yeah so i was the drummer in that band but then sometimes i'd be on back and vocals at the same time or they'd have me on guitar or bass or whoever's boots needed filling that couldn't make it like i would just fulfill that role so you get to um, play all the hits <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i wouldn't call them hits <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know what's funny as well I was I was sat in my living room the other day on my guitar and I was just playing like a standard four chord pattern and I was like every church song I think I've ever played is just use these four chords just in a different key yeah <laughs> it's just crazy that's like a lot of music though yeah there's a lot of like chords and like uh, EDM and dance and pop and stuff where it's like the same four mm -hmm. notes like going up and down yeah so that's interesting wait do you ever play that song I don't know what the hell that song is called where it goes like and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. You know that one? <laughs> no. Oh. No, I've never heard that one. 
No, <laughs> I don't know what it's called because I I can't imagine singing that in like a church service, like unless it was like a kids' service or something. <laughs> well, it might be. Maybe it's more like a Sunday school thing. I can't mm. say because like if ever I step into a church, my skin starts to burn. So it's it's something right. I've never been able to fully explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, whatever, it's all good. Well, look, how about this? Let's actually listen to some music and then we'll we'll keep talking. So I want to go back to a, a single you put out in 2017 mm. called Duel. Nice. Which is a cool song and we're going to listen to that right now. This is Duel by Pilot.
All right, and that was Pilot with the track Duel. And I'm here with Pilot right now, Tim, talking about playing in a whole bunch of bands, church bands. What else? What does that mean, though? At what point in a church service does music start where there's, there's a band? It depends. So the, the kind of denomination of the church I was in was called like a Pentecostal, like born-again Christian church or whatever. So they would always have like a couple of songs to kind of warm the congregation up then you'd have like a sermon and then you would finish with like a few more songs at the end and you'd do that twice you'd do that once of a Sunday morning then you'd go home come back in the evening have it again the same set list? no it'd be, it'd be different set lists per morning and evening because you'd get different kinds of it sounds stupid to say but you get a different audience in the evenings like you'd usually <laughs> get like I mean, <laughs> the, the partiers show up at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a bar at the back where you can get alcohol-free shots and stuff. Um, <laughs> now we used to, <laughs> we used to have like um, a lot of kids and that come in, like teenagers come at like on Sunday nights and stuff. So the music used to be a lot heavier. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, for a church, it was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> as far as churches go. <laughs> well, they're pretty cool places. I've heard, like I say, I can't actually step mm. in one. So you say you went to school for music? Yeah, so I, I didn't actually study music in high school. I studied art, which is weird. I don't know why I did that. Well, something to do. Yeah, but the thing is, I wasn't really interested in that. And I was I was playing drums all the time, so I don't really know why I decided to do that. But anyway, hindsight. Yeah, after school, I went to college and I did like a music technology diploma which is pretty cool it taught me about music production and stuff live sound and stuff and then yeah, after that i went to university and i did a creative music production degree which was shit by the way what a waste of money it was fucking awful everything i learned in those three years it was was thanks to google nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah what a waste of money I mean, the, the one thing it gave me was a student loan so i didn't have to get a job and it gave me lots of time so that i could just focus on like developing my craft but yeah the course itself was really shit man so then the first course you did like when you left high school mm. um that was like the technical one mm -hmm. and then this university course like what was its purpose like so the college course was music tech so it's based on like uh just general equipment you'd find at like i don't know like um in a recording studio or in a live setup, you know, PAs, sound systems, outboard compressors, all that kind of stuff. And then the university course was basically supposed to be like a more in-depth kind of extension of that. So we'd be in bigger, better studios. We'd have a bigger budget to, to do more things. And But yeah, man, it was just a load of shit. Did you make any friends? Yeah, I made friends. I mean, the, the social side was great. And, you know, me sitting in my, in my university room just making music and, and learning, that was great. So for that reason, like it was good. But um, the reason I went there was to learn, and I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't learn anything. What kind of music were you making at that time? That was, like, right at the start of my career. Because I was just trying to develop my skills, I kind of had an interest, not really to kind of find my niche or discover my own style. I was more just interested in trying to write and record anything. So I was making, like, hip-hop stuff, um, R&B, some trance, like, dance music, disco, deep house, whatever. Just trying to kind of get used to producing a variety of styles so I could hopefully discover one that I was good at and kind of just take it from there. And did you discover that? Yeah, that's that was kind of like the birth of, of uh, Televisor. So I found that I, was, I wasn't I was bad at making like disco house, kind of new disco stuff. And, and that was it. Like, how do you go about figuring out what you are good at? Like, is it based on other people's feedback or was it just like the actual process of making things? Just like, you know what, like I'm not happy about this or it doesn't flow from you yeah it's it, i think it's a mix of those two things and also the reaction that i kind of 
had myself when listening back to what I'd made. So like when I would compare what I'd made to some of the stuff I was listening to that was like really big in the in the scene at the time, I would listen to it and go, oh, I mean, mine musically doesn't sound that far off. Like quality wise, the production's a bit shit. But like I think in terms of writing a song, I think it's decent. And then I kind of reached out to some labels and and they were interested in stuff. And I guess that kind of gave me some more confidence to commit to that style and, and just kind of develop my songwriting skills and production skills within that niche for a bit. So then how did you meet the other half of Televisor? Uh, well, it's a love story, let me tell you. Nice. <laughs> I mean, basically, I just went on SoundCloud and I think I just typed in New Disco and the first track that came up, Tom, the other guy in Televisor, he'd, he'd written and I played it and I was like, oh, this sounds great. And in the most naive and like pure-hearted spirit i just left a comment on his track saying let's collab let's make something together and he was like yeah yeah okay cool um let me add you or whatever (laughs) and that was it i think we wrote an ep in like three days and um yeah wait so you guys were tim and tom (laughs) that's it yeah tim and tom Mm. that's fun Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and you're the first person to say that definitely (laughs) Yeah, I like to, uh, I pride myself on being a really original guy. <laughs> uh, t- yeah, man, my manager always used to take take the piss and he'd like phone us and be like, hi, hi, Tom, Tim, Tom, Tim. He sounds like a fun guy. Get him on the phone. <laughs> he's not my manager anymore. Oh, okay. Does he have a name that sounds the same? Jim? No, his name's Rob. Oh, that's so It's the complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, at least it's, uh, there's still one syllable names, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could uh, put them into your sampler and use them as drum samples. True. You got Tim, Tom, Rob. I could do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I'll just when this interview goes live, I'll just sample what you just did and I'll just turn that into a song. Yeah, you should. <laughs> to be nice. clear, I'm going to censor all of that out. Oh, okay. I'm not going <laughs> to edit it. I'm going to censor it so that the audience is going to be like, what the fuck is he saying? Just like, what's your manager's nice. name? Beep. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, that guy must be a criminal or something. Like, we got to. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So that's cool. So then you do this university thing. You go, man, I'm not learning anything, but sure, I've made a lot of great friends along the way. Mm-hmm. Is it sort of like an arts course where it's like an eclectic thing where like, you know, all the other people you're you're in like the same class with are all sort of like doing different genres and different things? Yeah, but it was weird because although the course was a production course, it was quite entry level. So quite a lot of people that were on the course of me were new to production, which really surprised me because I had already been producing for, say, not very long, maybe two and a half years beforehand. And so although I considered myself to be terrible at the time, I was much further along in the learning process than they were. So um, a lot of them were live musicians. So rather than them kind of writing and recording their own music, like on their own or whatever, I would often get like people to come to my little setup in my dorm room um, and kind of record stuff. So like we had a saxophone player, we had a bass player, guitar, different stuff. And I would just spend my time like all day just recording them, like setting mics up doing that kind of stuff it wasn't really until the third year where the there was a couple of people that kind of picked up production more and started doing it outside of the course which again is odd because the whole course is called music production yeah (laughs) so it was kind of strange it was strange how did you enjoy dorm life it was okay where i chose to go to university was a ghost town like it was really really quiet i think there was like one nightclub literally within like a 20 mile radius yeah i mean it was okay because it was such a boring area to study i had lots of time that i had nothing i literally had nothing else or nothing better to do than to just make music which looking back at i, I it was a good thing 
But I guess as far as university experiences go, it's the complete opposite as to the cliche kind of university experience. Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I didn't have the cliche experience either because mm. I took a few years off when I was done high school mm-hmm. so that when I went to college, I had already left home, lived with roommates for like a year in the city. Mm. And so I was like a year or two older than a lot of the people who were in the dorm. Same. And so... I wasn't in the same headspace. Like, so they were all like, oh, they're living away from home for the first time. So they're all, you know, getting drunk and throwing up and stuff. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I was like slightly older. Like, I'm not going to say I was like super mature, but I was definitely, I definitely felt like, oh, I'm not in the same headspace as these people. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can I can relate because I didn't typically you would go to university straight out of high school here or straight out of college unless you do sixth form in high school but you would be about 18 years old but I was 22 I think when I went to university right yeah so yeah a lot of, um, same position as you a lot of my dorm mates were like three four years younger than me yeah that's I think that's exactly it because I think I was 20 uh, yeah I think I was 21 mm-hmm. and also in my country uh we used to have in my province there was this thing called grade 13 so we actually had high school where you go up to grade 12 where you would be you know like 17 or whatever and we had like another grade above that which was still part of high school and it was sort of like if you intended on going to university you could take like kind of more courses and it was sort of better prepare you or whatever Mm -hmm. but then the government got rid of it i think as a cost-cutting measure like the year right. after I took it. So I was like, I think I was the, I was either the last or the second last grade to have grade 13 before they got rid of it. Right. So that meant that when I went to college, there was this thing called the the double cohort they kept talking about because that year, all the people who had done grade 13 before were also heading to college and university. And now all the kids below them were also going to college and university. So there was like a mm. double the amount of people that would normally be going and they were all applying yeah. at the same time. Right. This is a very, very interesting thing. <laughs> well, we have we have the same thing here. It's called sixth form. Sixth form. Yeah. And it's essentially the same thing. Uh, college level education in high school and then you go straight to university. Why is it called the sixth form? Well, because in schools you have like five five years, like in high school, before you leave to go to college. So people just refer to it as Form 1, Form 2, Form 3, Form 4, and Form 5. That if you stay on to do like your A-levels, you know, your college qualifications essentially, then it's just referred to as Sixth Form. I love, <laughs> I love all the numbers and letters. It's just like the, I know. It's like, when you do your A-levels, you're in Sixth Form. It's like, all right. Honestly, when I when I say one, like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth form, I just think of a Dragon Ball Z character. <laughs> like... <laughs> He's in his sixth form. <laughs> well, man, that's the that's the powerful form. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, look, let's let's listen to another song here. I want to listen to uh, this one. It's called "Welcome." Cool, and it's a cool song, and it's by Pilot.
right, and that was Welcome by Pilot. And I'm here with Pilot right now, Tim, talking about sixth form, the most important of all forms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, school, I mean, when you look at, like, the American high school system in movies and stuff, it just looks so fucking interesting compared to, like, the UK. Like, we don't, I'm not joking. We didn't even have lockers in my high school. Yeah, but lockers are a pain in the ass. Yeah. You gotta unlock them. Yeah, but what was cool is that, like, you have a locker, it's yours. Like, we had to bring, like, bags, and obviously you guys, I'm, I'm guessing you guys take bags to school as yeah, well. Yeah, no, we but, got bags. You know, we can't stuff a bag in a locker and, and be done with it or keep anything in there. You're literally carrying your bag around with you all fucking day everywhere. That's interesting, actually. I'm thinking about that now, because wh- why wouldn't they... I wonder what the downside is. Unless it's one of those things where the infrastructure in England is older, and so maybe, like, all the schools, like, the hallways are thinner, whereas, like, the schools in, like, North America are newer, so they're, like, they have, like, wider hallways and stuff. But it always interests me, like... Like, with American high schools and stuff, like, you guys have your own, like, football pitches with your own little, like, you have bleachers and stuff, and your own cheerleading squad, and, like, the education system puts a lot of money into that kind of stuff. Literally, in my school, we had a concrete football pitch with, like, some shitty, rusty goalposts, and that was it. (laughs) Yeah, but it sort of depends where you go. Mm. So, like, movie high schools do embellish... Like, see, I went to a small school... In a small town. So, like, uh, I think there was maybe 500 kids went to my high school. Right. We didn't necessarily have the same sort of, like, cliques that they seem to have in movies. You know, like, whenever you watch movies, Mm -hmm. like, here come the goths. (laughs) Whereas when you go to a small school, it's like everyone is sort of everything. Like, yes, there was clearly, like, Mm -hmm. people who were more jocks than artists. Mm -hmm. But we all sort of had to interact with each other because it was sort of a smaller school. So, like, there were people who played sports who also acted in the play and stuff. You know I mean because it's like mm-hmm. it's it's not as clear cut as it is in in movies but my public school and my high school have both been destroyed right since I was a kid and they have been replaced with a concrete slab <laughs> and it, it makes me sad because I always wanted to like one day maybe move back to my hometown and I've got kids mm. and I was always imagining them going to my school not that I'm like one of those like I want my kids to do everything that I did like I don't give a shit about that it's just that my public school had like four different playgrounds mm. like just different areas so like you know the kids in grade two and three they can play on this one and the kindergarten kids have their own little fenced off play Mm -hmm. area and then the grade seven and eights hang out by the swings on this side and blah blah and then now it's all been turned into one school where it's like the kindergartens all the way to the high school kids and the yard is no longer a fun play area with grass and climbing structures and stuff it's just this fucking just cement slab mm. where I know like what kindergarten kids are just going to walk outside and just look at stupid high school kids smoking and like that's going to be their yeah their their recess and like it just it sucks and so but then again you go to a nice area with fucking rich people and their schools have lots of awesome things mm-hmm yeah, that's usually the way, isn't it? Yeah, let's talk about the budget cuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to stick it to the government, man. They keep on taking away the budget while subsidizing some shitty thing. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a super political guy. I don't know what to... Uh, Same. Yeah. <laughs> Although one of these days, uh, maybe I will get involved. Because if I go back to my hometown and they still don't have high-speed internet, I'm going to have to join the town council and start rallying for... Uh, someone to put some fiber cable in the yeah that's one of the things that pisses me off about going back to my hometown it's like a little island off the coast of wales it's only like 20 miles in radius the whole island and like the internet there is just shocking 
Um, and it's where I grew up. So, like, we had dial-up until I was, like, 19 or something. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> I'll one-up you. Although my audience is probably bored of me saying this at this point, but my dad still has the internet that goes through the phone line because mm-hmm. I come from a small town. It's in the forest, and Canada is huge, right? So mm-hmm. all the towns are, like, you know, it's like a two-hour drive between little places that have, like, population, like, five people or whatever. And so he still has the phone line internet now. Yeah, that is crazy. It's, it's still in the kilobytes. When I upload this podcast, if I'm visiting my dad and I'm uploading the podcast to SoundCloud, literally like a 30 megabyte file, I'm watching it upload in kilobytes. <sighs> it's ludicrous. When in the city, I've got like 500 megabit fiber. Like I literally press send and I just see the bar go done. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's crazy. You know, I know people obviously had sort of silly fears about like 5G and I'd be like, oh, cool. I get a 5G tower in there. But then you still need to run a fiber cable to the fucking satellite anyways. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make a difference. At some point, if we want high speed Internet, there's going to have to be some cable yeah. laid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know if they can get cable out to or run the cable out to this little island in Wales. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. How come you don't have the the thick whale Welsh accent? Well, there's. So you're probably thinking of the South Walian accent. There you go. Whereas I'm from North Wales. Like I'm from the very top of North Wales, so it's a bit softer. If you're from South Wales, you tend to sound like that. Yeah, that's the one I like. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, fucking hell. <laughs> Whereas, because I'm from the north, I'm like a bit more... Yeah, it's a bit softer. Do you consider yourself more regal than the southerners? Um, no, I'd say <laughs> the southerners are more sophisticated. Is that true? Or are you being diplomatic? I'm, yeah, well... <laughs> I'm, well I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just having fun. Yeah. I've never I've never asked anyone if they feel more regal than somebody else before. <laughs> it's a funny question. <laughs> Do they farm on that little island you're from? Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Um, the island constantly smells like one of two things, sheep shit or cow shit. Nice. Or like seaweed because it's right next to the beach. <laughs> Those three things, so... That's the thing, man. You can't get away from stupid smells. I know, like, where I come from, a small town in the country, so every so often, like, you know, like the cow and farm smells, like, kind of come through. And then when you're in the city, just sewer smell all the time. You know, just be walking around and then just, like, cause there's so many fucking sewer grates and sewer. Mm. And so there'll just be these days that I've always wished that they would do a report on the news or just explain. Because there's some days where just the city will just inexplicably just smell like just burning sewage or something oh and i just and i'm just like what is this smell like where is this coming from why is it happening everyone walks around like nothing's wrong you know (laughs) Mm. but it's just like i want there to be a report just like the weather report where they say oh and by the way the fucking the pig fucking slaughtering house just set a bunch of pigs on fire and that's what you're smelling Mm. right now i'd be like oh thank you like someone's talking about this (laughs) yeah yeah we used to live next to like um I said live next to. We lived about 10 miles away from like um, a, a slaughterhouse for chickens. Mm. And that is horrific. Like the, the smell from that is, is terrible. Yeah. I don't know, man. I've got a bit of a weak stomach. I can't handle that shit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey. Pun intended. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> 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 um, well, how about this? How about we stop talking about horrible things, we listen to another song, and then we get mm-hmm. this thing on track right. Yep. People are going to be sitting there going, why are they talking about all this fucking... The school system. Sheep shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's listen to... How about uh, Cruising? That's a cool song. Yeah. 
That's what is that not a good choice? Was it? No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Cruising is that, that was that was an enthusiastic and positive. Yep. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's check this out. This is Cruising by Pilot. And that was Pilot with the track Cruising. And I'm here with Pilot right now, talking about sixth form and pig rendering and all sorts of awesome stuff, island living, <laughs> slow internet. So what do you do when you're not making music? Well, what do I do when I'm not making music? I like to skateboard, but I don't do it that often anymore because of my age. I'm afraid I'm going to break something. Mm-hmm. Smart. I like to play video games. I don't play them as much as I used to. But yeah, when I can, I like to get, I get, I like to get my gaming on. Outside of that, I guess 
Honestly, I'm, I'm always tinkering in my studio. I guess at the minute, for maybe the last two or three months, I've been busy as well, like trying to build a business, which correlates with my music and, and will have some involvement in the music industry. So I've just been super busy with that as of late. But yeah, video gaming, skateboarding, just jamming in my studio. What are you uh, playing at the moment? Let me think. Uh, GTA Five. Even though that game's been out for so long, me and a couple of friends like we'll we'll get try and get on that game a couple nights a week and just fuck about on that. Rocket League has always been one that I'll go to if I've got like twenty minutes. I just want to waste doing whatever. League of Legends. I started playing that in university, like nine, ten, about eleven years ago, and I've never really stopped playing that game. I maybe play that say twice and a week or something. I read video game news every day. So, like, every day my morning paper is essentially mm. reading a few video game websites and movie websites. Mm-hmm. So I always know most things about what's going on in the gaming world, even, but I don't really play as much. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, when I was younger, I'd play all the time. And nowadays, maybe I maybe I get, like, 45 minutes a day right. on average, depending on the circumstances. But I always feel mm-hmm. bad because since I my office is the living room and so whenever oh, yeah. whenever i game yep. i'm just thinking well you could be editing right now like i could be actually working same for me man the exact same so i don't fully enjoy the way i i used to so my point is that league of legends is just one of those things where i've seen that word so many times in my life and i don't know what that game is <laughs> like i just know <laughs> league of legends i know fucking what's the one in space eve online Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that word, but I don't know what that game is. Every time I go to video game websites, there's always some article about something called Genshin Impact. I have no idea yeah, what that is. I don't know. But I, I always either. see fucking Genshin Impact, Genshin Impact. I'm just like, what mm. the fuck is Genshin Impact? Like, I don't know what it is. But yeah, so that's uh, Overwatch. You know, there's all these games that I just like, as far as I'm concerned, since I don't know what they are, I just always associate whatever the artwork is. And so yeah. as far as I'm concerned, like Overwatch is a game about like, a slightly bigger girl in like armor with glasses i guess because that's like that's the image that's always used for that game overwatch is kind of like i guess counter-strike or like team fortress if you ever played either of those and is the idea that it's like body positive or something like are people just happy because there's a girl in there that isn't like super skinny is that a thing because i have no I, I i don't play the game either that's the impression <laughs> i get just because they always use this girl like whenever they talk about the thing and i just feel like that's like part of the game's appeal i guess yeah I mean, you see loads of adverts for mobile games companies that do the complete opposite, and, like, they're the most clickbait, absolute trash of the fucking marketing world oh, yes, online. yes, Where, like, you'll see, like... <laughs> I can't remember the game, and I wouldn't want to mention it anyway, because fuck giving them free advertising, but it's essentially a game where you pick, like, an avatar at the start, and so they have this, like, female character walking towards you on screen. You know, her outfits are being changed, and she's swapping things in and out, and then right at the end, for a millisecond, she's topless, but with, like, blurred her nipples... Nice. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) I love clickbait so much. (laughs) I I watched one the other day because I'll click on these things because I'm a man. Like, my brain is easily tricked. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I got in, like, this workout section of YouTube where it's all, like, hot girls in yoga outfits, like, showing their workout routine. Right. right. I'm not proud of this, by the way. I'm just saying it happened. (laughs) And in one of... Turning into a bit of a therapy session. (laughs) In one of the photos, I swear to Christ, they photoshopped her 
to look like she had a very noticeable camel toe. Man. The sad thing is, it's like, I've seen this weird trend of like chiropractors on YouTube. Oh, where, like, where the photo is the chick's ass because they have her yeah, sideways on always, the table. Yeah, It's always the, the lady <laughs> lying on her side with like one knee up and yeah. like they're twisting her back. I'm just like, come on. Like, I understand clicks equals money. I get that. But where's the integrity? Like, well, that's what's hilarious to me is like, one, there's so many things at work here, which is what makes me laugh. Like, one, the male brain, just being a guy is so funny how easily you can be distracted or uh, <laughs> whatever just by yeah. the, the mildest <laughs> suggestion of some sex thing. So that's funny in itself. Then other people who maybe have some sort of legitimate video with some kind of value to it, but still having to resort to like... Oh, it's me, like, interviewing people on the street, but the still image has to be the one shot of the hottest chick you talk mm. to, and then you have to Photoshop it just a bit, so you get a shot of cleavage, so it's like, oh, like, maybe you're seeing a lot of her boobs here. Like, it's, it's funny to me that even people who might themselves have some sort of integrity still have to resort to these stupid yeah. tricks, and that they work. Yeah. You know, there's lots of things going on. Yeah, it's like I saw one earlier today actually it was like of a couple on the thumbnail and they both look sad on the thumbnail they've got text that says we split so i clicked on it because i got baited and then it was like they're at a restaurant and they basically split the bill i was like you fuckers <laughs> what a waste of my time <laughs> i was like skimming through the video trying to find this juicy bit where like they broke up and it was just like oh we split the bill i'm like oh fucking, i'll never get that five minutes of my life back i love also that i will click on these things even though even the salacious thing has nothing of interest to me, you know, because I, I mm -hmm. think I literally saw a similar video. I think there's this guy who, who has like a gaming psychiatrist channel or something. Right. And he sometimes posts videos and you'll see him and his wife and they're always smiling. And they had one where it's just like, the title made it seem as though they were getting divorced. It was like, <laughs> right. changes are coming or whatever, you know? Mm. And then it just turned out they were like splitting their, their business thing. So there's going to be like another YouTube channel or something like that. And it's like, right. fuck you. Yeah. And like, why did I even yeah. click on this? Any I don't care if you guys get divorced. I don't know you. Like, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter to me. Yeah, it's crazy how it all works. It's funny. I mean, like, this is... Well, I guess it's not really funny because this is the algorithm fucking <laughs> figuring out people at their, like, base level. And I would be very disappointed to have, like, my whatever if they have got, like, a file somewhere that just goes, like, yeah, we have you figured out. Because I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Because like, there's probably things they know about me that I don't know, mm. which would be, like, really sad to read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> they could probably figure you out and then be like, mm -hmm. you really like chicks with this size boobs when they wear yellow shirts. Mm. And uh, this music is playing in the background. And, like, they got this eyeshadow and this hair color. And you'd be like, you would never thought of that yourself. Yeah. But then it'd be like a Blade Runner 2049 or whatever. They, like, manufacture some weird, like, lady to tempt you. That's, like, the like this, this perfect thing <laughs> that you've envisioned. It's like a film Weird Science where those two dudes basically, <laughs> they, like, make that... Um, <laughs> I forget the actress's name now, but they're basically these two, like, nerds create the perfect woman. I think Robert Downey Jr. is in the film and stuff. It's a great film. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Let me remind myself. I always spell weird wrong. I always do I-E instead of E-I. Anthony Michael Hall, Kelly LeBrock, Bill Paxton... Oh, he is. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. There he is. Yeah, it's a fucking hilarious movie, to be fair. Vernon Wells! Vernon Wells is fucking uh, Bennett mm -hmm. in the movie Commando. I actually don't know who that is. I'd have to Google him. <laughs> well, if you so, if you look at the newest picture of him, he looks nothing like he looked in Commando. 
In Commando, he's the bad guy. He's got like the chain mail. He has like a knife fight with uh, Arnold at the end. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls. And then he like runs at him with the knife. And then. <laughs> Fuck it. It's like he was on the call then. Yeah. <laughs> he's like he's in the room with you. <laughs> did you just pass in the mic for a second? Yeah, I did. I did. It was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I just Googled him. I recognize him now. <laughs> Arnold throws the pipe in him, and then he says, let off some steam, Bennett, and then the steam starts uh, shooting. Yes, out. that's it. Yeah, let that's Vernon Wells. Steam, Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fucking cool. That's one thing I miss is, like, the classic one-liners, like, those punchlines you'd get from films. Oh, yeah, man. Because I'm a fan of, like, I love James Bond movies, and I feel like James Bond, if he didn't invent the action film pun, then definitely popularized it in mainstream, because I'm sure someone would be like, technically the first ever, you know, action film pun was in fucking, you know, whatever, and they'll name some mm. obscure movie from, like, the 40s or something, but to me, I felt like it sort of kicked off with Bond. Yeah. And it's funny, because you watch the old Bond movies, and the puns are awful, because mm. they're so basic, because, like, no one was making puns all the time, so, like, he drops the toaster in the fucking bathtub with that guy and he just goes shocking and then walks out and like that's it like it's like okay <laughs> like you say that reference is shocking but that was perfectly acceptable back then yeah I yeah bet, i bet people watched it and was like oh that's so funny yeah because he electrocuted him because now you have to be like so creative because like so many movies have mm. done the pun so you have to come up with something good because yeah then you just run out i know like during the pierce brosnan era of bond there were some pretty weak puns like i remember i i i, I liked the one Tomorrow Never Dies, which was like his second one, mm. a Pierce Brosnan Bond film. It's like it's Goldeneye's better, but like this one was fine. And then at the end, when he kills Jonathan Price, because Jonathan Price is like a media mogul guy who's evil, and then Pierce Brosnan takes this big giant drill thing and rams it into him and says, You forgot the one rule of mass media. Give the people what they want. And then like <laughs> sticks him with the drill. And it's like really wordy and clunky and like, what? Mm. Yeah, I I have vague recollections, but that's made me want to steer clear from never watching that film again. It's just, it's not a very good pun. Whereas an, a better mm. drill pun is in uh, the movie Total Recall when Arnold kills Benny and says, screw you, and then fucking uh, yes, the that's drill. it. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it. <laughs> that's, mm, that's such a good film, man. Oh, yeah. I used to love the censored for TV version that they had in the States. Okay, there's this channel called TBS, and they would show action films, but they would dub out all the swearing. Mm. And so they even censored "screw you" because in the '80s, like everything was considered a swear word, and so they just would they would censor even things like now. You'd be like, "Why'd they censor that?" Yeah. And instead of saying "Benny, screw you," they just they just looped his line. He's just like, "Hey, Benny, die, Benny," and then like he <laughs> sticks the. <laughs> it was so awesome. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's a certain class and and stuff to those old films like even when you catch like bad edits or something that's clearly overdubbed or whatever you can't help but like love it I actually really loved the censored movies because it made me laugh so hard and I just wish if I could go back in time and have any job it would be the job of censoring R-rated movies for TV in the 80s because I would be laughing my ass <laughs> off if you do a good job it's funny if you do a bad job it's funny mm. like either way it works because if you actually match up the lip sync perfect you'd be laughing your head off like in the edit yeah. bay, like oh my god like it actually matched up and then if it doesn't match up well that's even funnier <laughs> like just this weird disembodied like thing like oh it's awesome anyway i'll tell you what else is awesome is uh, listening to cool music 
<laughs> nice, nice segue. <laughs> Let's go forward here to uh, Solai. That's how you say that, right? That's it. The Solai EP from March 2019, and uh, this is a, I like this one. This one kind of starts with some emotional piano bits, and then it sort of like blends into the electronic part, and I think it's cool. Awesome. It's called Faded Light by Pilot.
And that was Pilot with the track Faded Light. And I am back with Pilot right now. Tim. Hello. Well, at least, did I get your name right? Or I'm going to start calling you, you Tom and be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. If uh, people want to know why we're laughing, stay tuned to the end of the episode. I'll tag it at the end. <laughs> yeah, man. So anyway, that's a cool song. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think with that track, it was mainly just because the music is kind of like the, it serves as a soundtrack for like an original narrative. So that particular track just fit uh, the narrative of the story. It's, it's quite a sad part of the, the story. So it just seemed to work. But what's nice is that I think my fan base understand that my aim as a musician isn't just to release like quote unquote bangers. I'm not interested in that. Like I, I'd rather kind of create a musical journey, whether that's, you know, a cohesive kind of thing in the form of an EP or an album or whether that's just singles like I want to make sure that there's diversity in there you know I don't want people to get bored of what I write plus it must be more interesting to actually write different styles yeah for sure I mean this was a this was a cool EP man like there's a thank you a lot of cool tracks in there and also although we've been playing a lot of uh, of the instrumental tracks you also do sort of like kind of vocoder vocally mm. things I mean I know we I think cruising mm-hmm. that, we, that we listened to earlier has that as well but uh mm-hmm. So that's something you like to do? Yeah, I mean, my actual singing voice, uh, I've probably got about 20 songs that will never see the light of day that have got some kind of vocal on there of my actual voice. And I just can't bring myself to release music with me singing on it unless I use something like a vocoder or whatever. But I'm quite lucky in the sense that vocoders is quite stylized and it's almost like the quintessential vocal representation of the kind of genre of music that I'm writing anyway. Like, it's not left field that people don't expect it. So I can kind of get away with using it as opposed to using my own voice i feel like sometimes i'm in the minority because like i like vocal effects like i mean yes i Mm -hmm. like nice clean vocals and talented singers and all that stuff but i mean i also like vocal effects even the unpopular Mm -hmm. vocal effects because i think it's cool like i just it's another to me it's just like another tool people can use yeah you know because i think it's a very easy statement that a lot of people like to make or if they shit on like auto-tune or something which i understand being down on that if there's an artist that uses as a crutch or something Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's cool. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's cool to like feed your voice through some weird thing and do like fun effects with it. Like I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You said you were trying to start like a, a business or something. Are you like a good businessman? Um, no. <laughs> Is <laughs> no, there, are you going to find think... out or what? <laughs> um, I mean, I've this has been my career for quite a long time now. So in that sense, I feel like I have maybe a better handle on kind of running. A business than maybe someone that was going into it completely fresh from a nine to five or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say so. I've done a lot of research and it's, I've been building the business for a while, so I'm inevitably going to come across things I have not thought of that are gonna kind of knock me back a bit. But that's life, you know. You don't you don't know unless you try something. Yes, that's one of my many mantras. Mantras, mm. mantras, mantra. That's one of my many mantras. I mean, I would say mantra, mantra. So mantra. technically, you're not wrong. Do you know there's a couple of American words as well that in English just sound completely different. Like the word aluminum to you, it's spelled aluminium. And so British people or English people or whatever, you would say aluminium. Mm. Whereas I have like a couple of American friends and whenever they say aluminum, this aluminium, they say aluminum. Yep. And I just think, but it's not even spelt like that. <laughs> I know. Cause see, I'm used to a lot of British. Like, I mean, I watched Doctor Who when I was a kid. Like Doctor Who is my favorite show. So right. I'm aware of all the, the Britishism. So I got that out mm. of my system when I was young, all that fucking nice. lieutenant and mm. aluminium and all sorts of things. Yeah. That's a weird one too, because... I always feel like aluminum, since we say it that way, I always feel like that's the way it's spelled. 
Yeah, it's, but it's actually spelled alum Indium. Well, see, this website is spelling it aluminum. Hold on. Aluminum. You know what? It might be both. Mm. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just doing research now here. Is PubChem a reputable website? Merriam-Webster has aluminum without the I, but that's Merriam-Webster. Home Depot has it without the I. If I was to buy aluminum from Home Depot. Right. Interesting. I'm looking at a blog here. Um, it says aluminum is correct in American English as well as Canadian English, while aluminium is correct in British English as well as most other forms of English. Oh, well, I guess we're both right. I'll shut up. I guess we're both good. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm in Canada, so we still spell all the things the British way. Mm. Like we have our U's and in color and, mm-hmm. and things like that, whereas the Americans don't, which means they get to save on printer ink. <laughs> True. Which I think was the scam the whole time. Yeah, it's cost efficient. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I know I, I've never bothered researching why. You know, sometimes there's just these regional differences, but yeah. I, I don't have any reason. Like, was there like a specific point in time where someone just made the decision, like we are dropping the U? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Well, I'm going to keep asking you until you tell me. So it's <laughs> I'm going to require you make something up. <laughs> I had someone ask me before. I was getting like a hot dog from a stand like in the city here. And um, I got talking to the guy serving me and he was like, oh, I'm a producer, whatever he said. And I was like, oh, no way. That, that's great. Like, I also write music. And we got talking anyway. And I found out that he was a, a fan. He was like, oh, my, that's you. Oh, my God. You know, blah, blah, whatever. And um, he was like, it's so weird how you Brits spell pilot. <laughs> and I was like... Um, <laughs> we do spell it the same way as you, P I L O T. It's just I just changed the, the you know the the I to Y because I thought it was the cool thing to do, and he just genuinely didn't believe me. He thought I was just fucking around, and I spent about ten minutes trying to convince him. I was getting Google on my phone. I was like, "Look, this is how you spell it." <laughs> Did you get a free hot dog out of this? No, I got a cold hot dog because he made it 10 minutes prior and I was just sat on the fucking shelf while I was trying to convince <laughs> him how to spell a five-letter English word. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I tried some veggie dogs the other day. I've been trying to, like, this links back to our conversation about the fucking pigs and the sheep and stuff, but uh, mm. I feel like it probably is important moving forward to sort of cut down meat consumption slightly. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying meatless alternatives and, whoa, they're bad. I try- <laughs> oh man, my my partner's a vegetarian, so I can relate. Like fucking hell. So far, the only thing that was relatively close was Beyond Meat. Mm-hmm. That's the one where they um, have like you know broken down meat to its essential amino acids or whatever, and trying to recreate it using vegetable right. matter or whatever. And it's interesting. It smells like dog food when you get it. Yeah. So, so at mm. least it's like, okay, like it's kind of has something meaty going on, but it's <laughs> not necessarily like super ad- appetizing smell, but that's the closest thing. That one, when I made burgers out of Beyond Meat or bought the Beyond Meat burgers, that was the closest where I'm like, okay, this this is kind of like a burger. You know, if you have your toppings on it and stuff, it's like I could, I could eat this and not be upset with myself. Yeah. But everything else was a fail Let's fucking these veggie dogs I ate were disgusting. These fucking mm. I couldn't even eat. I couldn't even finish them. Like I remember, like I was like, well, I'm sure maybe they'll be tasteless because hot dogs are full of so much filler anyway. Mm-hmm. I was like, certainly hot dogs of all the meat will be the one they can very easily synthesize without meat. I, like, I thought eighty percent of them was fucking shoe leather, anyways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I found that with like meat substitutes, like there's a brand here called Quorn. Yep. And 
the only way I can eat that is with a shitload of seasoning and some kind of like sauce, whether it's hot sauce or something else. But I don't mind it. Like I can have it in wraps and stuff and you can actually get like, um, you know, like breadcrumbed corn chicken fillets or whatever. And they're not bad, you know, like they're not bad. But, you know, me and my partner live together and she's a vegetarian. And so I'm like, oh, fuck it. What's the point in making two versions of the same meal, one with and one without meat, when I can just eat like the meat substitute? So I've kind of got used to it. Right. The only thing I've noticed is I did buy some sort of veggie like ground beef substitute, which Mm. is okay in a taco because if you just fry it up with the taco sauce, the taco sauce is pretty overwhelming. Yeah. And so as long as you have something in there, the crumbly stuff that has like the relative texture of meat, Mm -hmm. you can sort of get away with it. Yeah. Or I bought some of these burgers that, that weren't good. It was a different brand. It it was like, basically, they're like bean patties. Some of them were like bad as burgers, but if I squished them up when I was already frying just a small amount of meat, like making like some ground beef and like also included like some mashed up fucking fake burger that Mm. when cooked with meat sort of added to the volume of the meat. Right. And still tasted enough like meat because it was actually being cooked with meat, but then maybe that defeats the whole point, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, my experience with like the ground beef substitutes, it's it's like wet cardboard, just like small chips of like wet cardboard. (laughs) I fucking hate it. I honestly think I'd rather eat dog shit than that. Like, if I had to pick between, like, eating a lump of fresh dog shit or, like, eating a packet of that ground beef, I, I would struggle it. which one to pick. I love it's fresh. That's the, yeah. That's the, yeah. <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you this. Speaking of fresh tracks, I'd like to listen to this one. It's called Lost. Nice. It seems to be, like, the fan favorite on this EP. Yeah, I'd say so. So, uh, let's give it a listen. This is Lost by Pilot. Nice. Playing here, it's hard to see what kind of man I used to be. Now I'm empty, void of fear. How can a mind just disappear? Dark and hazy city nights. Immersed in the neon lights. People in the shadows fight. A higher cause to change our lives. Close my eyes. I try to sleep, but in my
city Dark and hazy city nights Emerged in the neon lights People in the shadows fight A higher cost to change your lives Close my eyes I try to sleep but in my mind There's no reality I'm latching on to all I know And that was Pilot with the track Lost. And I'm here right now with Pilot Tim, just uh, talking about meat substitutes. Yeah, I tell you what, this... If anyone asks me what's been your most diverse and entertaining interview, this is without a doubt it. 
I mean, I'm trying to think in my head the topics that we've talked about the school system how to spell <laughs> in English versus American meat substitutes it's great I don't do research and I don't go in with questions mm -hmm. so that's the difference because I find when I listen to like other interviews with people and stuff if it's like oh it's a music show so they keep it very music based and ask you know like what's your mm -hmm. favorite VST and what's your studio uh, look like and stuff like this and I just couldn't care less yeah. I mean I just I mean I love music and I love hearing music and I like talk for some reason I'm just a weird dude like I like talking to musicians, but not about music. <laughs> right. I mean, it's refreshing. It's it, You know, I mean, like the amount of times I've been asked, what equipment do you use? How long does it take to write a song? I think there are certain venues where that information can be conveyed that's more um, useful yeah. to the person who actually wants to know, right? So mm -hmm. the reason why I don't bother talking about VSTs or not, I mean, I have in the past or whatever. It's not like I've never done it. But, you know, I feel like that stuff is more suited to, like, video. You know, if someone's going to talk about their workflow or whatever and they really want to, like teach somebody something yeah it's much more useful in like a youtube video or something where you mm -hmm. can actually see the the daw and you can actually see the plugins and get a sense yep. of what they're actually doing and like oh this knob does this and this does that mm -hmm. and whatever or if you want to show gear if you're like one of those gear people and you have lots of keyboards it's more impressive to obviously look at them mm. than it is to hear someone explaining like i have a rack of synths Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to go that route with the YouTube video, you need to get a thumbnail of some clickbait title, like, check out my new rack, and it's like <laughs> a chick with a top off, but she's got, like, a synth in the way of her boobs or something. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was a good businessman, I would do that with all of my YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. Like, when I can see the dishonest tricks that people use to get people to click on things and go, I understand what's going on there. I could do that. It would probably be beneficial to me because I would get more clicks or whatever, but I still refuse. Because I don't, I don't get how you can build a fan base that way. Because your content isn't whatever the thumbnail is. Like, the content's the content. So I always think, like, you can probably get some clicks and some revenue that way, but are you going to build a fan base? I mean, I guess that's true, right? I mean, especially when you see a lot of these, like, YouTubers or something that have, like, millions and millions of subscribers, you have to ask yourself, like, how many of these people actually care yeah first of all like probably 40 percent of them are bots mm -hmm. and then it's like do people really care like if you have a video that's like i spent a weekend with a chick with big boobs and it's got like 20 million views it's like how many of these people actually are here for you yeah exactly and for what you do you know and so uh -huh. i mean this is maybe less like a, a way of comforting myself where it's like you know only 10 people watch my stuff but at least it's <laughs> They're there for me, you know? Mm -hmm. But even that might not be true. Maybe, like, I get ten plays, but four of them are bots, and one person's there for me, and <laughs> the other five views were me checking to see if the video uploaded properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I would I would much rather at least have a bit of, like, artistic integrity or creative integrity and not feel like I'm selling my fucking soul for the sake of, like, a couple of extra dollars or whatever. I just don't get when people, like have nothing to offer but need to be famous or whatever you know what i mean this is like yeah i think some people confuse popularity with purpose 
or attention with a sense of purpose. Yeah. I don't want to get too deep here, but essentially it's just, I guess, finding something that you genuinely enjoy and that you feel is your calling. I feel like a lot of people, especially in today's society with the amount of like fucking social media, just bombardment and consumerism that goes on, like especially kids, they're just taught to like, you know, always grind, always do this and that. If you've not got 100,000 Instagram followers and you're a fucking failure, you know, if, if you're not prancing around doing dances and shit, then what are you doing with your life? You know what I mean? So I feel like there's just there's there's almost like a want and a desire just to be seen and heard in any means necessary i'm never fond of like following a trend Mm. like it it bothers me even if i did a thing that started a trend Mm -hmm. it would then annoy me to then continue to participate in it yeah because it'd be like oh this is a fucking trend now like fuck this you Mm. know like i would have to i would have to separate and do something different Mm than my wife she's always flipping through tiktok right and that's like all tiktok is yeah it's like somebody does something funny or silly and now 10 million people copy that person and like that's the whole premise oh there's a person who skateboarded down the street drinking some juice while this song was playing so then now 10 million people also go down the road while that song is playing you know and just like why like, Didn't he sell that as an NFT for something <laughs> absurd, like a million dollars? Well, look, I listen, I have no qualms with, like, listen, yeah. if the guy gets popular, and that, and that's, I mean, and again, he started the trend. Why it's a trend, I have no idea, but I mean, like, hey, he did it, mm-hmm. and it, it, like, it was a creative thing, I guess. It's just the sort of meme culture that sort of follows. Like, yeah. if the most popular thing I ever did was just me copying somebody else, or like a reaction video, yeah. where it's like, oh, like, what, oh, yeah, I got like a YouTube page, it's like, oh, fucking, like, a million hits on my video. What is it? Well, it's me just watching a Bill Burr stand-up skit and laughing at it. Mm. Well, what? So you did nothing? Like, yeah. Yeah. You're proud of that? You're proud of this fucking video where all you did was watch some other creative person while you sat there and laughed occasionally? Like, what is this? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I get what you're saying, man. It is strange. So the bottom line is, uh, keep on making cool music. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I want to listen to another song. It's called The Return. Nice. And it's cool. And uh, and we're going to listen to that right now, man. This is The Return by Pilot.
All right, and that was The Return by Pilot. And I am here with Pilot right now, Tim. Hello, hello. And we've just been talking about a whole bunch of nonsense, but we can probably wind down. Is there something we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? I mean, I came into this chat really wanting to address issues with the school system in the United Kingdom. And I feel like we've done that. And meat substitutes. And I feel like we've done that as well. Yeah, if you, if you had a checklist, I'm happy that we uh, we checked off all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's coming up for Pilot? You got something cool in the works? Well, like I say, I'm working on building this side business at the minute as well. Outside of Pilot, I also like write music for trailers, like video game trailers, independent films, stuff like that. So I've got a couple of small projects in that regard coming up as well. But yeah, I mean, anything that I'm working on outside of and including like anything I'm working on I usually like will stream my creative process on Twitch like twice a week so usually it's on like Tuesdays and Fridays 8pm UK time and it's just me hanging out in the studio chatting shit just talking to people writing music hanging out whatever but yeah in terms of future plans I guess I'm just pretty busy already trying to build this business and, and all that stuff and when you stream you don't wear the helmet nope I don't wear the helmet you can see my beautiful British face in all its glory <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and it's just it's just a nice way I think like it's more of an intimate way like to kind of connect with fans and just kind of chill you know yeah I get that what's your twitch handle uh, it's twitch.tv slash pilot official ooh was there another pilot there was and and do you know what's annoying? The account's not even active. Ah, that always happens. Yeah, I emailed Twitch and I was like, hi, please help me. And they never replied, which I wouldn't expect them to, but who knows, man. And what's annoying is like Twitch kind of purge all the inactive accounts and will make usernames that were taken available again, but they don't send a notification out to notify when that's happened. So basically you either remember to check seven times a day or you potentially miss getting it. I think a lot of websites like uh, Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff, they don't want to admit just how much inactive and bot accounts there are. Yeah. Because then it would it would make numbers look really bad. But I, fuck, I wish they would just purge them all. I know. Because like, I know for a fact, because I used to do this thing, this was like in like 2015, where I did that stupid like Twitter boosting thing. But it was all automated. Yeah. Even in 2015, I learned, oh wait, Twitter is like 80% not real people. By following tons of accounts, I started to realize, like, these aren't people accounts. Like, these are fucking robots. And this was before it was really trendy to talk about bots and all this stuff. But I was seeing it live. Right. So I just, I would love for them to finally admit, like, you know, Facebook has, like, you know, one billion active users and then find out, actually, it's more like a hundred million. Yeah. And literally, like, 900 million of these are fucking robots. Yeah. Because I bet you the number is way higher than they would ever admit. Yeah, I, I definitely say so as well. And then there's just people who just don't use their account. Mm-hmm. Like, real people who created an account, made one tweet, and the tweet's always like, oh, this is my first tweet, and then they just... They don't tweet for four years. It should be like, all right, you're gone. Like, mm. get out of here. <laughs> What's crazy as well is like how, like, I fucking hate Facebook for it so much. But like when you post something on like your artist page or whatever, the engagement is absolutely horrific. And it's an audience that you've built organically or whatever. And you've worked your fucking ass off like to try and build an audience. And then you post something and out of an audience of say 9,000 people, 10 people see it. Unless you pay Facebook. I fuck, I hate that so much. I don't even think anyone sees the things I post anymore. 
like to be honest with you, like I'll post a thing and maybe I get a few likes and like one comment and it's like mm. What? I feel like I get more engagement if I just made that same post with my personal account, even though I literally unfriended, like, yeah. I went through a phase where I, I just would accept the friend request of anybody. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, one day, I just got, there was like last year, I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. And I just erased everybody I didn't recognize immediately. Right. So I unfriended like 2,000 people and got the list back down to a nice, manageable. Well, apparently, what's the number? There's a number that we're only really designed to have, like, like close relationships with 150 people or 250 people or something. It's like a number like that. Well, and then anything over that is like, we're just not equipped to do it. I've, I've no idea, because I'm probably close at about 30 people max. <laughs> so There's like a hierarchy, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, even if I said like, oh, I've got 300 Facebook friends, really, there's only like, you know... 10 that I interact with mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So I think everyone has this sort of like this inbuilt number and it's very, very low. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't know why this is an appropriate way to end a conversation with you, but <laughs> what I'm basically trying to say is you have a lot less friends than you thought you had, Tim. Yeah, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> uh, anyways, man, listen, it was nice to chat with you. Same. You make uh, cool music, so people should uh, go listen to it. And go uh, go pick up your stuff because you've got you've got music on some labels too, right? So you've got I mean you've got your own personal one. Yeah, I've also got music out on Fixed Neon. I released the Salai EP on that label, and I've also done like a couple of the remixes and a collab with another artist called Essinger on there. My older stuff, so like Pilot 2015, right up until. The Shadow Task EP that was all on a Canadian label called Monster Cat. After that EP, then I released three independent singles and then just tried my hand with with other labels and releasing independently and stuff. What do you like better? It's a t- it's a tough question, so it depends. So I think working with labels is great, um, and if you work with a label that's got a massive audience, that's great. However, there are the standard things like you're signing away half of your master to a record company. Most labels these days, you know, won't sign a track unless they can get publishing as well if you're like me and you have a publishing deal then you can't do that anyway you know labels have fairly big like marketing budgets and and stuff and they some of them have like in-house designers and people whose job it is to just make cool assets and stuff for your release and to push it the networks are big but all that aside releasing independently means i have full control over everything so i can decide when something's released how it's released what platforms it's on and I kind of like getting my hands dirty and getting involved in that process, you know, not just writing the music, not just writing the story, not just trying to get the artwork done, you know, but networking, talking to label owners, talking to label managers, A&R, marketing, you know, all that stuff. I, I, I enjoy it, even though it's a lot of work and it's quite stressful sometimes. So I would say releasing independently for me is is better. Well, that's a very thoughtful answer. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the one. Are you, I, I suppose we're just asking for a yes or no answer. Well, no, I, I, again, this is what happens when you go into an interview without any sort of proper format. It's like, as I'm saying goodbye, I ask a serious question that requires thought. Like, <laughs> but that's on me. I'm not, uh, I'm not good at making a show. <laughs> Anyways, keep on making cool tunes. We'll play them on the show. Thank you. Uh, and uh, you have a lovely British day, and uh, keep on eating corn. <laughs> well, thank you. It's very, it's very kind of you to say. Um, most corn tastes like shit. So, <laughs> but yeah. 
There they are. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you uh, cool. rock on and keep on being a cool guy. Nice one. Thank you. All right, that was my conversation with Pilot. So thank you so much for listening to the show and tune in next time for episode 300. It's going to be probably not next week, but the week after. Um, it will be a longer episode than normal. However, I'm editing it differently than I've ever edited a show before, you know, because I like to insert challenges in my life that are unnecessary. We're doing a retrospective. We're looking back with the first six guests that I ever had on Beyond Synth. So I hope you're all having a lovely day day. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Synth. Please, if uh, if you don't already, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash beyondsynth. And don't forget also to check out Andy's Spaceship on YouTube. We put a lot of work into that show and about like eight people watch it. So I, <laughs> it would be nice to get a few more views. And that's all I have to say. Uh, keep being cool. And we'll talk to you next time on Beyond Synth episode 300 in just a few weeks. Thanks for this was Beyonce No more show today Now shut up, the robot lady's got something to say Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal If you enjoy the show please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyond synth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the force be with you. And that was Pilot with the track Faded Glow, and I'm here right now with Pilot Tim. Hello. Um, I'm sorry, mate, but the track, it's either Faded Light or City Glow. <laughs> Faded Glow. Wait, did I fucking combine the words? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Sometimes I, uh, like, I'll type the things into Notepad, and then it'll fucking, like, the worst is when it fucking autocorrects on me. Mm. Well, it's the one with the piano, so hold on. That's Faded Light. Why the fuck did I write Faded Glow? I'm going to censor all this out, by the way. Cool. Oh, right. Cause, oh, cause, okay, okay, okay. Because City Glow is the next track. All right, all right, all yep. right. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. <laughs> all right. It's called uh, Faded... Okay, I'll just dub this in later. Uh, it's Faded Glow by Pilot. All right, and that was Pilot with the track... Well, I fucked it up again. I you said the same thing. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm keeping, I'm keeping all this in. All right, and that was Pilot with the track. <laughs> and that was <laughs> All right, and that was Pilot with the track Faded Light. And I am back with Pilot right now, Tim. Hello. Hello.